I'm Ed Bradley. I'm Steve Croft. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Scott Pelley. I'm Morley Safer. I'm Detective John Kimball. I'm a man. I'm a Klingon. I'm a bender. I'm Bill S. Preston. I'm Ted Theodore Logan. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm the key figure in an ongoing government charade. I'm the dude. I am Morpheus. I'm a friend of Sierra Connor. I'm Spartacus. I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. I am Jack's Raging Bile Duct. I am the Senate. I'm your worst nightmare. I'm Lieutenant Bright Noah. I am Skeletor. I am the Father. I am Captain Planet. I am Arthur. King of the Britons. I'm Troy McClure. I'm a doctor, not an escalator. I'm Rick James, bitch. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. I'm invincible! I'm Casey Kasem. I am the real Hulk. I'm your Huckleberry. I'm the Juggernaut, bitch! I'm Batman. I'm Corporal Ben Dixon. I'm Punky Brewster. I'm I'm Mike Wallace. Those stories and Andy Rooney tonight on Gundam. I, I don't think we need any more. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Gundam at MAHQ. This is Sobro Ryu, and here I'm with... Uh, Neo here, and uh, Chris will be joining us a little bit later. He's got some things to take care of in the real world. Uh, <laughs> have to t- not in the world of uh, mecha hyperbole and oh. silliness. So He had to be, he was torn away. But um, this is episode 43, and in this episode, we'll be finally discussing the most rockinest, ep- uh, the most rockinest series of Macross ever. In our Macross roundup, we'll be talking about the television series of Macross Seven, and in our second segment, we'll be discussing the second decade of Gundam and what we would change in it. Yeah, it's the second of a three-part uh, segment that we have. We did. Uh, what was it, the 70s and 80s last episode? This time is uh, the, pretty much the, the, the 90s. 90s up to t- the year 2000. Yep. And before we go on, we've got some news with Neo. Take it away. Yeah, actually, i got some pretty good stuff here. Um, this is cur- coming courtesy of a lot of our listeners, so listener-submitted news articles. Um, once again, everybody kind of bear with me during this because uh, the newsroom printer is still out of commission. <laughs> some things have to be taken care of for that, but... Um, I know we've been having a lot of uh, Gundam music coming out this year, and which makes sense for it being the 30th anniversary. But uh, from one of our longtime uh, posters here, Wilder, uh, he posted some uh, links up here, mostly from the Cosmic Era and the Anime News Network. Um, some of them are the first one's going to be called "What's uh, it's, it Can Be Seen on the CosmicEra.com blog." Uh, Gundam Songs 145 has been announced to be released in Japan of uh, February 24th of 2010. Uh, it's going to be about 10 CDs. Uh, there's going to be 145 songs that have been used in all of the Gundam works recorded Whoa. from the original sound source. Uh, there's also going to be like a 200-page illustrated booklet in there, and there's going to be some illustrations of Armro and the Gundam and Sharnazaku Customs. So uh, more stuff to put on pre-torrent. 
uh, for uh, all those uh, fans out there. Uh, another, uh, we've got another Mobile Suit Gundam tribute album that's also going to be coming out, and this is also courtesy of Wilder from the CosmicEra.com blog. Uh, it's the uh, it's going to be released in December 9th of 2009. It's a tribute album that's been announced, and the expected tra- track list is Ana Senshi, Megori Sora, Beginning, Kazunohatori, uh, Z Toki Wankota, um, Mizu no Hoshi, Aiwa Kometa, Silent Voice. So it looks like uh, oh, Flying in the Sky is going to be in this one. Oh so, no, uh, C- Chris can actually pre-torrent this one for himself. <laughs> Um, stand up to victories in it, dreams, resolution. So it looks like it's mostly going to be uh, the Universal Century Gundam plus uh, X and some G in there. Uh, last little thing here, and this is for the creepy pedophile or, or, or creepy, um, yeah, just the creep, all the creeps out there. There's been um, on Anime's News Network. There's a link here. Uh, they're going to be selling Space Battleship Yamato underpants for men, and what? the there's. <laughs> There's two designs depicting the bow of the title spaceship with the Japanese name of the spaceship's trademark wave motion gun emblazoned in red or gold. As the Movie Walker Walker Plus website notes, this puts the wave motion gun between the legs, so you know what that means. Uh, another design uh, features various logos incorporating the ship's silhouette and the anime's title. So, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I guess. Is uh, that worthy of the Neo Salute? Mm, oh, no, that's uh, the Neo Salute's not going going even near that one. Oh man! Ooh, I guess uh, I guess instead of buying Hummers, men with small penises in Japan buy a wave motion gun <laughs> underpants. <laughs> Another uh, posting here from uh, poster JCN Castle seventy six, and this can be also found on the Anime News Network. But um, I guess one of the the top rated um, animes uh, this. Uh, you know that's they usually do uh, they show some of the rankings there on Anime News Network well guess what was number one and no it wasn't uh, Shadow Chronicles or MD Guys the re-release of MD Guys <laughs> um, uh, double O yeah what See, special edition number one um, m- made the list for once I didn't peek at the news yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> but um so and there's a, a lot of other um a lot of other shows on there so definitely check out the link on the newest listener submitted news article site um and i got a couple here from rent noir and another poster what the heck i forget what his name was but if just uh just ridicule me in the when you when we put the post up the thread up for this episode <laughs> uh but there's a gundam model tree that's about to uh rise in akihabara Nice. Um, so looks like maybe some of the Moe stuff is getting away from in there. But um, it's going to stand about five meters, and it's going to be with the uh, – it's going to mark the release of the Mobile Suit Gundam, Gundam vs. Gundam Next Plus action game for the PSP. So that that's pretty good. And always remember, folks, um, the PSP is region-free. So <laughs> if you're able to get a copy of that, definitely check it out. But I'm sure, you know, if, if you don't um, – read Japanese like me, it's gonna be hard to kind of progress through the through the <laughs> game. It's like did I do right? No. And the first uh, hundred people who buy the PSP game can uh take um, a picture with uh Torhu Friyama. So um, Oh the voice of Amaro? S- nice. Some say he's the voice of Amaro, some say he's the voice of uh oh, ribbons? Of ribbons and oh. some say he's the voice of many other things. But Yamcha, yeah, dude. that's gonna be on this he's gonna he's gonna man the light switch on December third to light up this um this tree. And uh, like I said, the first hundred people will be able to um, take a picture with him. 
and uh, it also talks about how he was there during the whole um, life-size Gundam thing that uh, when we talked to uh, Pedo Bear South that he was uh, fortunate to see. And there's some other things on here. One of the is I would definitely tell everyone to take a look at this link, and this is from Takem, and it's a tr- there's a he has a link to uh, a tribute to Tamino. I took a look at it, and it's it is kind of odd. So I just before I even and interject anything to anybody i would just say go to the neos listener submitted news article site and uh, definitely take a look at that because uh, it, it is a little weird and definitely would like to hear your um your thoughts on that but um and let me see if there's anything else here that um that we have no that's pretty much it so i just want to thank all those guys who have uh, submitted posts and um all those out there you know please please let us know some of the crazier goofier things that are going on with some of the mecha stuff i uh, know it's usually i remember from the like the last couple of years it's been getting a little light it gets a little light in uh, december or so but um you know it I, i'm thinking there's going to be some craziness uh some of uh, some christmas gundam stuff right before the end of the 30th anniversary here so hopefully we can get some of that but um once again, thank you for uh, submitting everything, and I'm going to throw it back to Solbro so we can go into our first topic. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! What's that sound I hear? Oh, 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 man! Wait, I, I kind of don't want to do this, but <laughs> Chris did leave me the keys, and and I was, I guess I will do it because it, it's very fresh in my mind. Yeah, please. Um, everyone knows that the Straight Talk Express is one of those things that Chris has. He, you know, he owns the he owns the bus. He he rents it out to various uh, goofballs and uh, <laughs> stuff when it comes to certain things, but um. And the whole idea behind the Straight Talk Express <laughs> is to get beyond all of the uh, garbage and minutia out there when it comes to certain things. Oh, uh, but Chris said, let me the keys, and my Straight Talk Express experience is going to come down right here. Uh, about a week or so ago, uh, I tried to watch on Netflix streaming um, <laughs> something that has been in the news the last couple, probably like the last year and a half or so, right. and that is Robotech The Shadow Chronicles. And, you know, I grew up with Robotech as a kid. Even now, knowing the differences between that and Macross, it doesn't really bother me. I take it for what it is. And I think Robotech did what it needed to do when it came out. Uh, But I think that's all that needs to be done or said with Robotech because I tried to watch this piece of crap. uh, And it was like the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie. And boy, oh boy, talk about garbage. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of bad things and, and, and have gone through it, but this was just like kind of an insult to my intelligence. Man. Uh, it's starting around like the end of Mosapeda, and the story is kind of kind of shallow, but I think what makes it even worse is the horrible, horrible cell animation that p- coincides with horrible 3D graphics that are like one step above um g saver 3d graphics maybe like if you sped them up a little bit <laughs> and that and then just the horrible horrible dub acting i mean i know i'd spoken about uh where the dub acting um kind of made my enjoyment of macross 2 a little less enjoyable but at least with macross 2 i have the ability to watch that in another language <laughs> i don't know if you have that ability with shadow chronicles possibly in the dvd but i would definitely tell a lot of people out there that i know that there's a lot of robotech fanboys out there but if you're really proud of something like this wow you guys are ooh, because this was a piece of garbage i mean i had to stop so you know it, it's and, and i'm not going to sit here and say i'm not going to be like a man a macross fan or apologist or anything like this or even a robotech apologist but it's just like 
I kept hearing, uh, you know, I saw how well this thing, this movie had, uh, you know, it had been sold the last year or so. And uh, from what I hear, they're going to be doing a, a Shadow Chronicles 2. Uh, they shouldn't have never done Shadow Chronicles 1. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's just very, very bad. And I would really tell people to stay away from it. And to the Robotech people out there, if, if, this is, if you think that this is the best that's coming out and you think that this stuff is better than Macross, I think you really need to like kind of get your priorities in check because, um, I mean, this thing is, is, is very, very, very bad. And, um, you know, I, I would not even, I would not even spend even discounted money, uh, you know, bargain bin money on this piece of garbage because, uh, there's, there's nothing really redeemable about it. And yeah, I guess I could say maybe, uh, I should have gave it more of a chance and try to watch it through, you know, to the beginning because maybe it'll get better and I'm sure I'll probably get stuff like that. But if, if you're like alienating me that much in the first 15 minutes, I don't know what you can do to get me to come back. To this. So in essence, you walked out the theater. Uh, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> I deleted it from the queue. Damn. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just sitting there, and, and and I will say I had an open mind about it. I was, I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, you know, but it just was like, it was just an insult to my intelligence, and no, no. But um, that's my straight talk express moment, and um, I, I'm going to be giving the keys back to Chris after I do a little joyriding here. Nice, and it pick up some babes in the uh, in the in, in the in the party straight talk express. Sweet but, deal. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, back to Solbro, so we can get to back to our first segment. All right, the first segment is Macross Seven in the Macross Roundup. We'll be back in a few moments with more Gundam at MAHQ. Who shot you in the ass? Who? That who would be you? Me? I shot you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I was shooting. Yeah, I, was, I did a lot of shooting. I mean, but I, I, I ain't saying I shot you in the ass. I mean, I, I ain't saying I didn't shoot you. But gun damn! Somebody shot you in the ass. Tell me about it. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, Ray? You tell me. You done lost your goddamn mind. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and it's time for the fifth installment of Macross Roundup. This time we're taking a look at the 1994 TV series Macross 7. It's uh, only the second of three 
Macross TV shows, the others being uh, the original series and Frontier. And it followed up after Macross Plus. It takes place five years after Plus. Brings back some characters from the original series like uh, Max and Miria and uh, Exodol. And is similar in the setup used later in Frontier of a deep space immigration fleet that encounters a mysterious alien enemy and... Uh, Macross antics ensue. Uh, this time, instead of focusing on a accidental military pilot, the focus is the musician, who this time is uh, Neki Basara. He's a uh, he's a rock musician instead of a female idol singer. And Firebomber is the band that he's part of, and um, a lot of the focus is on them. So you sort of have the combination of the pilot and the singer in this setup, which makes it stand out from other Macross shows. And um, the show was popular enough to get a couple of sequels, some OAV series, and right now we're just going to be talking about the TV show. We'll look at the OAVs in the next installment. So I will kick it to Solbro since he's the most recent watcher of Macross 7. Your comments on just the TV show for now. Oh, man, which is funny because... Um uh, not that I'll talk about them, but when I actually watched the TV show for the first time, which I just completed yesterday, um, I actually uh, looked up the information on the uh, the additional parts of it, uh, like the OVA and the um, the the movie, and watched them in the order that they're supposed to be watched. So um, I actually got the uh, I guess the the after afterthought um, order that they should all go in. But the t- Macro Seven as a television show, I had a lot of fun with at first. It was a bit slow going because, you know, all the reused animation and it, the first couple episodes kind of had a little a bit of a rough look. And um, I wasn't even feeling Firebomber as a band at first. Um, it took me a little bit to warm up to the show. I'd say probably about episode 11 when they did the big homage to Do You Remember Love that I started to really get into the show. And after that, you know, by the time the episode the, when we got into the 20s, it and I was I was going with it full steam. I was banging out so many episodes in one stretch and um i love this show uh you know after finishing it up i look back on it and it was just a roller coaster ride uh for the most part uh the characters in there are a lot of fun uh, you know when it when it comes to comparing it to the original show of um, super dimension fortress macross it's it's got a completely different tone you know music's still a big part but they do so many things different that it's it it, it you, you can almost consider it you know a completely different animal um Bossar as a lead is is engaging he's a lot of fun um i call him space john lennon and um his rivalry with gamblin i wouldn't even call it a rivalry i'd 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 see gamblin you know finding him to be antagonistic at the beginning of the show but um Gambling the character I didn't like at first. I, I grew to like him a lot by the time um, the series was halfway through. Um, I call him the Reuben Kincaid of Mecca because if anybody out there seen the Partridge family, um, he's kind of ends up being their manager to some degree, especially out there on the battlefield when um, Sound Force is made and even dresses like the dude. <laughs> Why are you mentioning the Partridge family? Hey man, I grew up with sixties. I grew up with seventy sitcoms, but um, my man, my man, no Reuben. Hey. Just, just no hope for you ever. Ruben Kincaid, man, he, that dude was cool. And I so, don't even know who the hell that is, and I don't I, care. Hey, man, two either. people, two two listeners will know, and that's all right. I'm cool with that. You don't, you don't count. <laughs> oh 
Hey man, he even dressed like the dude, and he, his role fit right in. Whatever, so. whatever you say. Stop mentioning <laughs> lame things. We're not talking about lame things. Hey man, but Gamblin, he was awesome, um, and he he really grew as a character too. And then the rest of Fire Bomber's awesome. My second favorite character is uh, Vefi Das, even though she had maybe like three lines throughout the whole course of the show. She was uh, the sexiest. You mean silent, silent Bob. Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> She's the sexiest Amazon alien drummer ever, and. Um, she was just cool. The fact that she um, found rhythm in everything she beat on. But um, for the most part. Much to I, the annoyance of others sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forget the name of that one guy that works for UN Spacey, that, um, the, kind of the, um, the asshole general. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah. Um, Gosh, what was his name? What um, was that guy's name? I like to call him Dickhole. But <laughs> that cat that um, damn near got Mil- um, Mylene killed and um, didn't mind sacrificing other uh other pilots and whatnot in order to uh, to win a battle. That's that uh, he was definitely uncool. Um, but for the most part, the uh, the show is just a lot of fun to watch. I, I will say one thing: um, the proto Devlin, the uh, the major the, the major antagonist in the show, they kind of remind me of the Yoma from Sailor Moon. Don't ask me why. Because <laughs> kind of they had that design and the fact that they stole energy from people. You know, just just tickled me pink. Anytime I'd see one of the one of them, it just reminded me of uh, the monsters in that show and um, Civil, especially. And and on top of that, I guess um, you guys were saying before we were recording that my boy is a uh, gavel. Yeah, gavel. I highly yeah. di- I the highly disagree. Of, the beauty of furry. The beauty of losing. <laughs> I highly disagree. The beauty of saying beauty. You guys are terrible, but um, yeah, he, he the beauty of vanity. He reminded me of a Sailor Moon villain. <laughs> On top of that, um, they would possess people like Sailor Moon villains too. So you know, I, maybe there was a little bit of inspiration there. I don't know, but it just it every time they did something, it reminded me of that Soul show. Soul connection here. Hey man, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But um, awesome show. And Neo, any thoughts from your well, end? I, I was wondering, does this warrant a um a Soul Bro uh, guarantee? This show, <laughs> Soul Bro guarantee of quality. Yeah. I guess a Soul Bro endorsement. That's about. <laughs> that's about it but um it's an enjoyable show for a lot anybody. of things that get the Solbro endorsement that, that 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 they do but um anybody who has been hesitating on watching this show because you're an old school macross fan i i highly i highly think that you should check it out and give it a chance what if i'm an old school robotech fan would i find enjoyment in this show probably not okay <laughs> although i am i've got an open mind so hey that's that's how i roll go ahead neo listen to my opinion <laughs> the show is it's good. I mean, I can understand why pro- when people, you know, that people are big fans of Macross and probably even back when this show was coming out, it's a lot different than what you're used to. Um, you know, I think we've mentioned it before with, you know, the Valkyries with the faces and the boobs and, you know, the wild kind of crazy colors and, you know, some of the stuff, you know, some of the other kind of super robotish l- little things that are in there. But it is a pretty good show. Um, outside of really Glavel, um, you know, there's not really that many annoying characters. That that general guy was kind of a dick, but you don't see him too much. Um, but everybody in like the Sound Force, even as um, even as kind of blockheaded and and one track minded that Basara is, he's still kind of a you still kind of end up really liking him at the end. Um, of course. Like Chris said, you get to see some of the blasts from the past with Exodol and, and Max and, and uh, Miria. And, you, and it's nice, too, because you get to see how their relationship kind of progressed on since the end of the Macross, of the original Macross show. And um, we also see how important the, 
the uh, the the wedding was getting you know the nice gracious update of uh, good animation <laughs> and uh, you know actually some of it being in uh, actual motion as opposed to just pictures but um and horribly drawn pictures at that yeah hor- very horribly drawn pictures um but yeah we see this is kind of the first way of really using um you know how outside of what happened in uh, Macross 2 but you know chronologically here we really see that you know music is becomes a big integral part later on in the UN Spaces um you know their 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 way of uh, you know dealing with the proto devilin and you know it, it the show kind of has all kinds of different feelings in it because it for a while there it does get that creepy feeling of like you know when people are worried about the vampires in city 7 and it almost kind of takes a little weird um you know kind of like the horror kind of a little horror thing because you know you can see the how how the people are kind of scared um you know in terms of uh gambling you know the the the, tr- the love triangle gambling uh basra and mylene um i liked it because even though they were kind of you know they would act immature it was a, they actually acted a lot more mature than uh, what happened in macross plus you know um you know that and you know, and you could really see that in this one, Basa really had no, he really had nothing for Mylene except that she could just play bass and sing backup. And <laughs> and Gamblin was to her sh- and Gamblin was a good guy. I, I even from the beginning, I know Sabro didn't like him at the beginning. I liked, I, I pretty much liked Gamblin from the beginning because you could tell that he was just that kind of pure-hearted um, soldier that's just trying to protect people, and he feels an obligation to do it. And, you know, he even gets made fun of and stuff by a lot of his uh, comrades later on in the show, especially once he starts protecting Basra and Sound Force. And but I do agree. Yeah, the first probably 10 to 12 episodes are a little rough, um, you know, with the restock animation just being done over and over again. I don't know many times I can see that the the, the pod being ejected from the cockpit of the Valkyrie and going into the uh, prototype. The waiting waiting hands of the enemy for Spiritia sucking? Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. It's funny how those cannon fodder Valkyries always get hit in the exact same spot and always get caught ejecting in the exact same way. And luckily, the cockpit broke right where it needed to, so it could eject it, so they could get the you know without the destroyed um, pilot or anything like that. But you know, it's it's nice because they do a good mixing of old and new. You, you, there is a part there that you know really uh, Captain Max starts to really. You get to see, you know, some of the stuff from the past, and he's playing a, a big role in it, but he never takes over. Yeah. Um, it's also, I like the whole part when, you know, throughout the whole show, all Mylene is trying to do is to get Max and Maria back together, because yeah, I don't think we said this at the beginning. They're pretty much estranged yeah. um, with her being the mayor of City 7 and Max being the captain of Battle 7. And, you know, you, you actually get some of the things, some insight on them, too, especially with Maria, you know, wondering if she was, it was the right thing to do, marrying Max and, you know, going the, going the route that she did. So I think for a show that on the surface looks pretty kind of um, very bright and kind of almost materialistic in a way of just and, and kind of simple, it does have some pretty good layers in there, especially with all the different, you know, all the different characters and stuff. So, but um, I, I would... um. You know, I, w- I would tell anybody that if you're interested in the macro- any of the Macross sagas, um, you know, go in with an open mind. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be super dimensional Fortress Macross, but it doesn't mean that it's bad. It, it's it's going to be a, a good ride. And, 
you know, you you get to see some pretty good combat, especially towards the end. Um, you know, cur- some courtesy of Captain Max. Oh yeah, with one one of the greatest kind of um, here I come to save the day. Oops, it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> type of moments. <laughs> and um, you know, uh, like cr- I I was pretty good with the music from the beginning, but there were certain songs that would drive you crazy. But after a while, because you heard them for the fourteenth time during that episode. <laughs> Planet, Planet Dance. Planet Dance. I didn't I mind too much, but the um, the slow song that he sang to Shiva, I forget what that song was. But that you, song would be number sixteen. Is that what it was? That's one of the slow songs. Yeah, it's the one they pretty much played throughout uh, throughout the show. And yeah, um, that's remember remember sixteen. Yeah, that one wasn't a big fan of it, but you know it got more palatable towards the end after I heard it sixteen hundred times. Man, so. The real jams, the real jams are "Power to the Dream" and "Holy Lonely Night." Man, those are the rock anthems right there, man. Hell yeah! Songs. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, I guess the last thing would be is um, kind of the the way that you kind of see kind of some of the um, the underhandedness, not really necessarily underhandedness, but kind of the um, the sneakiness of you and Spacey, the the whole thing when you find out about Ray and kind of his thing and and how Bossa was able to get the fire Valkyrie. And, you know, this is just one of those things where um, I, I think we kind of um, talked about it when we were talking about Macross 2, where it seemed like uh, UN Spacey was kind of, uh, um, you know, oppressive and kind of just like omnipresent. We're kind of seeing the same kind of maybe the uh, the roots of that. Well, here it's sort of like they just don't care because uh, yeah. at the end they're like, hey, uh, Max, you uh, you go take care of these monsters, and yeah. uh, you you do that on your own. We're here sitting on Earth. We're okay. We're not really going to lift a finger to help you. Just uh, do what you can, and uh, we don't really care if your fleet gets destroyed or not. And suddenly exactly. they became the the 13th Autonomous Squadron. <laughs> yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. much. But um, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. But go back to you, Chris, on um, uh, some of your thoughts of Macross 7, the series. Well, anyone who uh, is a longtime reader of MHQ probably is aware that... Um, I wasn't that into Macross 7 the first time around. Oh, that's when we which, liked you. Which <laughs> now was, we don't. Because uh, <laughs> you like it. That and Gundam X. Which was, you know, uh, nine years ago. So, you know, that was very different uh, time for me then. Obviously, I hadn't seen as much anime as I had seen now. And, um, you know, I was big into the original Macross. So I went into um, 7 with the, the wrong mindset of expecting something that would be like the original series, and um, when it didn't deliver, I was disappointed. There were lots of parts of the show I did like, but generally I just uh, wasn't too into it and um, didn't like a lot of the things they did. So over the years, you know, saw a lot more Macross, saw a lot more anime, and then finally uh, came back to Seven a few years ago and started watching it again from a different perspective and uh, found that my level of enjoyment um, increased a lot to the point that, you know, I like the show a lot now so you know it's all about how you go into it because this time i just watched it for what it was rather than you know this is a macross show and i expect to see these things so that allowed me to enjoy it there's still some things that bug me uh even from back then um like you mentioned Soulbro, the uh show has kind of a slow start those first 10 episodes it's um a lot of kind of the same storyline over and over of you know the band has problems playing yeah. The Varuda attack. Yeah. Bosfer goes out and sings. Gambling gets mad at him. Varuda run away. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it really starts to kick off. Um, first, kind of with like Solbro mentioned, the uh, 
the um, the Daryl remake episode, which obviously Frontier copied that idea when they made their Macross Zero movie. Heavily. <laughs> yeah, I find it very amusing that um, that Basara is supposed to dress up as Hikaru Ichijo and uh, <laughs> that they did like a really crappy job of putting like a uh, like a cardboard fast pack on his Valkyrie to try to make it look like. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like the original, it's like, come on, couldn't you have just like rendered it in CG or something in post? Didn't they say that when they're post production, they're gonna like CG his face on Hakara's uh, face on uh, Pazuru? So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is even funnier later when they um when the rumor when the rumor rags start talking about the fact that he's his he's Hikaru's illegitimate son. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we all know we all know that he's John Lennon's Ill- illegitimate. Uh, Grandson. Space, space grandson, there you go. Yes. <laughs> so for me the show really starts to kick off during that arc when um when the Varuda they, they steal City Seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of jumping around and you have them kind of on their own trying to survive until Battle Seven finds them. Oh sorry, when it turns into final fight where it's uh <laughs> it's gambling Basara and uh and Milia all all teaming up together to fight off the enemy. I love that mess. Ironically Milia being the mayor just like Mike Hager, it was great. <laughs> that was a really cool arc, though. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You just have to find some hey, man. Capcom in everything, don't you? Every day. That's how I live. It's no wonder you're the opposite of Austin. Continue. <laughs> anyway, um, definitely, as as Neo had mentioned, uh, there's a lot of stock animation in this show. Yeah. Presum- and a lot of it is in the battles, which is one of the one low points of the TV show mm-hmm. for most of it. You know, these battles are really repetitive. It how becomes- many times do you see, like... You know, enemy shoots guns, you know, an entire line of Valkyries yeah. to, like, the left to dodge and then moves <laughs> back and shoots and then explodes. And, and the thing is, is they do kind of lessen it through, through the progression of the show. But you've seen it so much that when they do keep using it at times, you're just like, man, really? Yeah, and you know the fact that when everything explodes, it they all it magically disappears. Yeah, and there's no wreckage of anything ever left. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know that that stock shot of the Valkyrie pilot ejecting, and and being caught by the Veruta for spiritia sucking. Yeah, <laughs> that was shown a zillion times. Or uh, in the second half of the show. Gamlin using that uh, special round on yeah. his gun oh, yeah. pod to blow away Gavel. Yeah, like he he did that what like fifteen times in a row. I would imagine. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. The hot pink nuke. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, of course, the last time it didn't quite work so well for him, but uh, <laughs> you know the 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 beauty of learning through stupidity for for Gavel. I guess he finally learned. Like, gee. This guy did this to me 20 times in a row. Dude. Maybe I should do something different. How did Gamlin survive that? That's what I want to know, man. I, I, that's, like, one of the that's one of the mysteries of Macross 7, I suppose. That and um, the, the, especially during the first part of the first half when you see um, Diamond Force transform from you know, flight mode into battle, battle droid mode and stuff, they showed that a lot too <laughs> as, as yeah. kind of a, um, you know, as a squadron they would, they would you know, transform together. It's like what the hell? And the the animation for the show definitely is nice for for a fifty episode, you know, four episode um, show from the early nineties. But the action is definitely lacking, which yeah. is kind of a bit of a sore point since that's one of the main draws of of Macross aside from the music and you know the wonderful transforming designs. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a knock on the show. Also, um, one thing about Basra that that's always stuck with me is um, he's a pretty static character. Yeah. 
he's exactly the same at the end of the show as he was at the beginning, and a lot of people jump to the offense of this and say he doesn't change because he causes people around him to change, which I'm sorry to say is a bunch of bunk. Oh, the amount of stuff that they went through, I don't care how laid back you are, you're going to change a little bit, and especially with him being... Because they, they, they introduce uh, Sheva, and you think there's like this thing between them, and you think that something would change him a little bit about you know meeting with her and experiencing her, but... No, pretty much not. I mean, he just becomes the same old and he guy. Even, he even leaves the ship on his quest to find whatever reason it is that he plays music, and mm-hmm. whatever his realization was, he's exactly the same. Yeah. And for all the people who say that he's there because he's already fully developed, the reason that I said it's a bunch of bunk is that's just not the way drama works. Yeah. That's true. That's true. No, a character who doesn't change... What's the point of that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. one thing is if you're watching like Law and Order Police Procedural where the characters aren't even important and you can insert, you can cut cop A and put in cop B. But in a drama series like this, you know, characters are affected by things as they happen to them and they're supposed to change. You see what happens when characters don't change. Yeah. Not to compare Basara to this wimp, but uh, you look at Kira Yamato in uh, <laughs> Destiny, the, nothing happened to the guy. Yeah, He was exactly the same at the end of Destiny as he was at the end of Seed. Nothing at all changed him going through this other war. And it's funny that exactly the same. It's funny with Basara, like everyone around him changed. Yeah, Mylene finally grew up. You know, Ray kind of got accepted, you know, the whole thing with his uh, friend that got killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the whole thing with Max and Miria. Everybody just, you know, because they went through a very traumatic thing. And yeah, you're right. Basara, he's just the same dude with the ripped jeans and strumming the guitar as he was at the, be- at yeah. the beginning of the show. E- even the fo- even the flower girl got some got some gumption at the end. Yeah. Freaking the fl- tossing that boy. The flower girl got some balls at the end. That was beautiful. But I'll tell you and the thing is, uh, it's great that all the other characters changed around him mm-hmm. but there's just no such thing as a fully formed character who is already developed enough and doesn't need to change because that's just not the way it is. Yeah. Even in life, I mean, you know, as you go through things in life, you change change from you know one year to the next or over time you're never going to be exactly the same person all the time and yet throughout this whole series and even into the sequels he's exactly the same really yeah. man and, and 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 if there is a downside of of the show for me that is part of it right there um because it's not that i don't like him as a character but you know it's like yeah and yes i appreciate that he's not you know one of these whiny pilots who who asks why he has to fight because he's not that kind of character you know right. he like uh like hibiki and macross too he is a pilot but he's a civilian and he right. doesn't fight people well what he about- uses his music as a weapon so that's cool and all but you know by the same token he's still the same person which yeah. is the whole series with no changes would you say and it's made all the more evident by the radical changes that other people go through, like Gamlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Gamlin, if you look at it, um, the way I see it, uh, Gamlin, his development kind of tracks um, the Varuda mm-hmm. because he is like so into his job that he's almost robotic at the beginning of the show. <laughs> oh, he is robotic. You know, when, when Millie is trying to fix him up with Mylene, it's like he's on these dates. He just no idea what he's doing right <laughs> he's almost in a way as robotic as all of these uh captured un pilots who have been uh brainwashed by the proto devlin exactly so the way that he awakens over time and the way those guys awaken over time they kind of tracks each other 
yep. which I think is interesting. Would you- but I really enjoyed the way he changed from this like totally stiff by the book kind of prick to this hot blooded guy who uh, you know is willing to put everything on the line to fight for what he believes in. Yeah, hell yeah. The fact that and the fact that he he was trying to prove himself to Mylene, but at the end he just figures I'm gonna do. I'm going to do what I can. If she's, if she likes me great, if she doesn't fine, you know, whatever, I'm going to do what I feel is right to do, you know, for, for the betterment of uh, everyone in city seven and all that. So, yeah, I mean, he, he ended, I, 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 like I said, I didn't mind him at the beginning, but I really did enjoy him at the end. His I mean, growth. he was really the character that I was like, wow, this is the guy that really changed. It was interesting to see it. And, you know, the, unfortunately, the thing with uh, Basara is like he just never did, and it doesn't make it a bad show. It doesn't. No, make it, but it's know. just it's 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 an it's a it's something that's very noticeable, and you know, for people who say that that's great the way it is, it's it's not. That's it's just not. not the way. That's not the way drama is done. I kind of I kind of give Basara a pass for the fact that he's kind of a throwback to those leads in those '70s super robot shows. You know, he's the hot blooded dude, but yeah, but they they he, he's they, not. But those guys and they have a change though too. Yeah, Basara didn't. Some of change. them do. Like not all of them, but yeah, you know, I, I, most of them do have changes because something traumatic will happen to them. They lose a family member or a friend. Yeah, but once whatever, that passes, but, they're they're back to square. They're back to normal most of the time in those shows. Eh. I, I don't. I, I don't know I, about I, that. I just, That's because if you and besides, think, this isn't a super robot show. Yeah, so. it, it, it is. And if you and if you really think about that, though, in those in those way in those shows, when those things happen, it'll a lot of times it changes the guy's tactics or what he's believing in or how he needs to yeah. defeat the enemy. That never happened with Basara. He never got to a point where I'm not saying I'm not saying that he didn't change. I'm just I'm just saying. Um, I just, I just think that you know, you're backing yourself simple, into a corner yeah, as usual. He's a simply, he's a simpler dude, and yeah, he, he's a peacenik. You know, he, he, he's that. I mean, granted, yeah, I, I agree with you. He didn't, he didn't change, and it would have been interesting to see him have, a, you know, change of viewpoint. He did struggle at first with the whole missile thing when um he he, he well, there was a one time where he fired by accident, and there was one time where he fired on purpose, and it was gambling that you know that that cut his throat on that, which I thought was really cool. Um, but you know, other than that kind of struggle, there really isn't much to say. You know, he's he's pretty much um, the same cat from start to finish. But I, I still liked him. What can I say? So, since this is a very um, important part of any Macross show, uh, the music in this installment was very different from every Macross before or since. Because, as I mentioned, uh, it's a rock band rather than a female idol singer. So. What did you guys think of uh, this change in music? And also the fact that in this series, unlike any other, uh, there is no background music whatsoever. It is all Five Armor songs, with the exceptions of, you know, you hear some Macross Plus music on the radio, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. the um, Jamming Birds sing recycled Macross 2 songs. Yeah. Um, I think it was I think it was good um, because you do, you do kind of break the tradition a little bit of, you know, the female idol singer. Um, in terms of the music, uh, just like anything, some of the songs I liked and some of them just were kind of annoying, um, you know, and, and, the, and the <laughs> annoying s- by their own, uh, merit or annoying via repetition, uh, a little bit of both. Um, a lot of times annoying because of repetition. Uh, but you know, some of them I just wasn't that into, um, but you know, some of the other songs, did well um the whole thing dealing with using it as part of the soundtrack that i think that was a a great idea because it kind of gets you engulfed into the world 
because as we see fire bomber becomes like the biggest thing on city seven throughout the throughout the show and you know they're they're almost being played everywhere and they're always playing shows and it and it kind of gets you into that mood that maybe you are on city seven yourself because you're hearing it all the time so but um i i, I think it's a good change um even in the next Macross show, if they ever do a, another, you know, new Macross show, it'd be interesting. I'd like to see them possibly go back to the rock rock band thing because, you know, it, it's not like these these types of music would disappear in the future just because yeah. because uh, pop idol is popular. So and and you know for the for the uh, early to mid nineties, I thought that the uh, the rock motif worked well and yeah. uh, it's a welcome change from the um, pop idol singer because. Every Macross has had that. Well, obviously not zero, but you know, pretty much every Macross has had the pop idol singer. So, for them to go a different route, I think worked well. And um, you know, aside from maybe one or two songs that I don't really care for, uh, I really enjoyed the soundtrack for Macross Seven, and I'm constantly listening to those albums. Man, and yeah. I, I like I like them, and I know we'll talk about them when we when we do. But the o, o, OAVs, um, you know, when you get the newer. Firebomber stuff. That's some really <laughs> good stuff in there too. So, although I got to say, you know, in the the two soundtrack albums for the uh, TV show, there's some songs that maybe just got played like once in the show that are really great. So yeah. maybe they could have just mixed up the the set list on the show because even the the songs that I do enjoy that get played a lot, you know, there's only so much you can hear of a song that you like. Right. right. And then there's some great songs that um, really good songs. Um, I only got played maybe once or twice, like um, Diamond Calling or One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven Nights and stuff like that. It's yeah. like you hear them once and that's it. But you hear, you know, Planet Dance a zillion times. <laughs> exactly. Planet Dance. Um, I, 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 um, like I said earlier, Firebomber grew on me. Um, at first I wasn't, I wasn't hundred percent feeling it, although it wasn't terrible sounding music. But um, by episode five, I was starting to feel it. Um. I, I was joking with a friend that um, in Japan they should come up with Fire Bomber Rock Band because you hear the music so much you might be able to recite it by the time the show's hey, done. You, you never know. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them. Man, dude, I would. I, or I, beyond, I, I'm sure if they did some type of anime song collection, and I'm sure Fire Bomber would show up. They, they've got so time. many songs. Look into their back catalog. Just as long as it's not Fire Bomber American. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'd import that game in a heart in a hot in a hot second. I, Fire Bomber to me is Space Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> well, it's space Fleetwood Mac. Hey man, they got what two girls, two guys, man. It's great, man. It's it's great. And um, let's see. Uh, There's I, the, they 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 none of them took drugs. None of them was sleeping with each other. <laughs> And hey man, we know. just caught him early in their career, man. And there's no Mick Fleetwood. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, no, I mean, I I I'd like I like the band concept. I, I'd like stories about bands like Soulbro uh, get out of the seventies. Hey man, talking I know. about Macross Seven. Hey. Oh my god. <laughs> Ironically, freaking, so freaking Partridge Family and hey, now Fleetwood Mac. Dude, we're talking hey, about what kind of time warp are you in? Man, we're talking about Space John Lennon. Give me a break. <laughs> Yeah, but Space John Lennon is is timeless and eternal. Hey, you're are, right. Are you talking on some like tin can soup can from from some cave in the 1970s? Broadcasting live from from the is, past. Is Nixon still president? <laughs> I mean, have you heard about some thing called Watergate? And getting his ass whipped by Black Dynamite. That's uh, right. He's, I mean, <laughs> but no. Uh, <laughs> I I I I like the band concept. I'm a I'm a big fan of animes about bands like um Beck? like like Beck and uh, DMC. Or Detroit Metal City, for those who don't know, 
and um, other shows. And <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> I don't even worry. I would love it. You know, man, it, this would never happen, but it'd be a great parody. What? If Macross went back to the band concept and the band was DMC. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's that's actually something when we were talking about when I was said that I'd like to see them go back to the concept. I would love to see them do some like uh, black metal band or something Hell yeah. like that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> but but actually DMC oh, including my... even with uh that uh, that crazy manager of theirs. Nice. Oh God, the lady always <laughs> dropping f bombs. Yeah, and and talking about how uh, how excited she is and how she needs to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have that. That'd be something. That I would love to see some weirdo aliens reacting to uh, DMC flying around in Valkyries. Imagine yeah. what those Valkyries would look like. They'd have, they, like, they would look like like Norse death gods or something. Sweet. Scary, scary dragons and bats and shit. Medieval Transform- ass. Transforming bat Valkyries. <laughs> <laughs> that spit blood and, you know, have chains and, and hooks hanging off of them. They would actually wow. look... <laughs> they would actually look Anyway, medieval. back to Macross 7. Back to Macross 7. I, I like the fact that the music was diegetic, too, for the most part. You know, everything you heard was either being sung or on a radio or something like that. Save for um, uh, the Macross anthem, which they would play anytime they were recapping what happened in the previous series from um, Yoko Kano's uh, Macross Plus but, and some other music, as Chris mentioned. But overall, though, uh, the soundtrack is really awesome. I can't wait to listen to them in full. I haven't actually sat down and listened to any Fire Bobber albums, and I, I look in at their back catalog they have a ton of singles and um soundtracks and anybody who likes the show should check those out too the the central concept of this series of the sound energy you know a type of actual energy that can be produced that you know the proto devlin are after because mm-hmm. they can't produce spiritia um and the way that contrasts with the way music worked in the original series um do you think that they were just going for a more scientific explanation, or did this kind of uh, midi-chlorian thing <laughs> change something that didn't need to be changed? What do you think about that? I think a little. I think it's a mixture of both. I think they were trying to, yeah, do it in a way where you can have another alien race outside of the Zentradi attack, and really put the probably the more excitement and more energy that you have, like in a rock and roll band when they perform. Um, you know, so. I would probably say a little bit of a difference, but uh, I, I don't see it as much as like the midi chlorine thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I guess you could kind of relate it to that way, but it it doesn't really muck it up that much. Uh, that was like, kind of the way I saw it the first time through, because you know, in the original series, uh, it obviously was just a cultural effect. Yeah, you, know, you just had these warmongering giants who knew nothing but fighting, and then this stuff comes along and it's really weird. Yeah. But as Neo says, you know you got to have ways for music to affect other aliens. I mean, even the way yeah. they do things in Frontier is different to have the effect on the Vajra. So, you know, quantifying this as some kind of, like, scientific thing didn't bother me, really, the second time around. Because I, also it wasn't handled the way midi-chlorians was, which is oh, like, yeah. hey, out of nowhere, this stuff, it's only mentioned, like, two times and was yeah. unnecessary. And, and the use of using Dr. Chiba and stuff and seeing that there oh, is yeah. like was some type of research that was being done even after the whole Minmay stuff. Um, maybe maybe if it was just like personal research, you know, that like these doctors did. Um, yeah. and, and it didn't it, come out of nowhere because it was this guy's like pet theory for his whole life. Yeah, they and eased he, it in. He got a chance to put it in action. Yep. And, it, and it's funny because you, you look at it and it kind of makes it where music is a, a completely human thing maybe like a completely human trait because as we're seeing the zentradi and the veruda and even later on the vajra are being affected differently uh 
to to music just in the way that music affects humans themselves you know when when you're feeling bad and you put like your favorite song on and it gets you going or you're driving or something like that it's 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 kind of the same way that's the way i felt but i didn't i didn't think it was um i don't i don't think it really uh cheapened anything or or you know was like um i don't know it just was just kind of a cheap way of of uh, of using music in a different sense within the same franchise it just it just plays off that old adage where music tames the savage beast and it's it seems to be a reoccurring theme in, in macross no matter who the opposition is and um i always always like the fact that music is that 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 dimension of this series that makes it unique from other mecha shows and it definitely rings true in this show so how would this show work in Robotank? <laughs> Well, first off, a 50-episode show, if they took out all the singing like they don't like in Robotech, uh, it'd probably only be like an hour and 45 minutes. Um, you used to hear Basara's cover of uh, Stage Fright 2045 version. Nice. Yeah. That <laughs> and, and, and Gamlin um, would be the main character? Yes. There, there's plenty of restock animation for fight sequences, so that would work really well in for a Robotech show. Captain Max Sterling. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the, the, the proto-devlin would be um, these, like, dudes who fought the Robotech Masters a zillion years ago, yeah, and they're, nice. looking, they're looking for Zor and, and the Protoculture Matrix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, of course, alternates between being uh, gas, weed, and a civilization. And an all-purpose cleaner. <laughs> that, too. Milius Ster- Sterling, could you please be my mayor? <laughs> and, and throw in random references to all these things like Invid that, that have nothing to do with anything. Of course. Got to shoehorn those in. <laughs> and and what, would, would Basura be what, Bob? Or, you know, Bobby? <laughs> and Ray, he'd probably be able to keep his name because the, 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 they'll do, kind of give him like the Roy Foker thing. And you best believe Basura would be the son of Rick Hunter. You know, you know it. <laughs> oh, he would be. And Gamlin would always be extolling the virtues of Rick Hunter, just like uh, they made uh, Stig Bernard do in Most Paid Up. <laughs> nice. Wouldn't stop babbling about this freaking guy. Always Rick Hunter this, Rick Hunter that. <laughs> oh, Mylene, what, what would be her deal? Oh, speak. She, she wants to grow up to be a, uh, a tank pilot like her older sister one day. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she'd be Marie instead of... Like yeah, his, her name would be uh, Marie Millie Sterling. or something. Yeah. Nice. But, oh, speaking wants of... to be like her sister Dana. Oh, that's <laughs> that's so cute. Um, speaking of Mylene, I got to say, I wasn't feeling her character much. She's my least favorite member of Firebomber, to say the least. And, Wait, um, you're not into the lollies and the DFC? Oh, God, no. I mean, although Neo and I were, were talking about this earlier, and I was thinking, uh, in comparison to her, Ronka Lee, I liked Ronka more. Ugh. But Neo had pointed out that she... <laughs> She was more useful than Ronka was, and I yeah. gotta agree. Um, <laughs> Ronka was Ronka was useless. Oh man, she was use, useful for the enemy. Well, I think she. You know, I, yeah, you she know, was, I, I know two people that if they if they heard that comment from you, they they would love you for it. Oh, what's that? The um, Ronka being useless. Uh, uh, one guy I know who who uh, is also known to Pedo Bear South. He dislikes Ranka so much that he actually uh, printed up a "Say No to Moe Blobs" T-shirt with uh, Ranka with a red circle and a, and a slash through it. I, I'm not that I'm not to that degree, but it's just like 
Rocka, <laughs> I don't think that many people are. <laughs> Rocka, Rocka just really just just bothered me, and I you know Silver is sitting here saying, oh well, Rocka is better than uh, you know she. I liked her better than uh, Mylene. It's like lo- Mylene was so useful. She could fly a Valkyrie. She was part of the band. It was the first basis that they could have where they didn't that Bossera didn't throw them out or got in a fight with them. I mean, she would get in fights with them, but they always and she got put back. up with a lot of his crap. And oh yeah, she did. He she was, all, he was stubborn, and she was also putting up with a lot of her crap from her parents her family but you know she was trying to get her parents back together not for the fact of her but for the fact that she did realize both her parents still loved each other and it was just stupid things that they were getting pissed about other than which is a lot which is a lot for a uh for, to expect from a 14 year old girl yeah. so yeah i mean and she had to you know she has to deal with uh what is it in the ova she's uh date rape almost oh damn. and she's a better singer anyway yeah <laughs> she is a better singer so I, I prefer her older and sister. And she had the the little what, which older sister the the one that's featured in the movie, which we'll talk about next next episode. And what, but. what was what was her little uh, what was her little buddy the little um, uh, Gubaba Gubaba yeah Gubaba her Pokemon yeah it, it, he's, go- he's more useful than some squishy green cell phone yeah. ouch <laughs> you're right but, about that uh, anyway we're not talking about Frontier so ouch. since we've been going on for a while uh, any closing comments about Macross Seven the TV series. Um, for the most part, do I, it, Soul Bro. Give the Soul Bro guarantee. Hey, man, I I, I give it. If I you give watch it a, this, it will change your life. Is this the the good Soul Broing seal of approval? I give it a Soul Bro thumbs up. Um, I think it's a excellent time. It's time well spent. Um, characters are a lot of fun. Cast is a lot of fun. It's good to be reunited with um Exodol, Max, and Milia, and um to see what they're doing so many years after Macross. And I think it's a worthy sequel of of of, of Macross and a, and a great piece of the uh, Macross franchise. Everybody um, who hasn't checked it out, please do. And um, if, if you're going to watch it, do the experiment. If you want to do the experiment I did, um, when you nobody, watch nobody it... Nobody wants to do that. Just, just no, nobody cares. Uh, uh, let nobody just, cares. Let no, just nobody cares. Let me, nobody fin- cares. Let me nobody finish cares. my statement, Dag, on it. No. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to make it more confusing than it needs to be. Well, I'm just saying. Just, it, just, just watch it first and then see what he's talking about later. Oh, well, thank please. you. Thank you for censoring me. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Shut up and get in your place. Uh, <laughs> bastards. Go ahead, Neo. Go I'd have ahead. to say it's not as good as that masterpiece, uh, Robotech Shadow Chronicles, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. No, it's just joking. Which you talked about earlier. Just joking. Um, no, it's, um, it's, a, it's a good show. Um, yeah, I understand it. You know, it's, it's a little bit different than what we've been used to with Macross, but I think it works. It's a little slow in the beginning, but... I mean, there's a lot of animes that are pretty slow in the beginning, so yeah. if you can get through them, you can get through this. Um, the band concept was cool. The you know the little homage to Macross, the original saga was 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 good with Max and Maria, and you know some of the some of the things how they were you know with the the Daryl uh, remake and stuff like that. Um, the the ending was great. I think the ending was uh, a lot more satisfying even than Frontier was. Um, you know, the characters are pretty good. There's not really any characters that are really that annoying. And, and, and even, well, except for Glavel, but he was just, you know, the, the loser villain, Solbro's man. The beauty of being a loser villain! But, um... Because all of a sudden, loser villains are now Solbro's boys. I, pretty I much. Hey, by, by, hey... <laughs> It's your own fault for, for, for liking all these weak-willed guys. We can't help that these weak-willed guys happen to be loser villains a lot of the time. I, I never got the weak-willed thing from Gavel. I just I got the fact that he lost all the time. Well, he sucked. <laughs> That's why he's your boy. Well, why, thank you. Thank but, you. Your boys uh, suck. Thank you for the appointment. But, 
I mean, anytime. <laughs> a- anyone that hasn't seen it and has got a little interest, just, just give it a chance. Um, you know, it's not going to change the world. It's not going to be, you know, it's not the Citizen Kane of anime. But, oh. you know, it is an enjoyable ride. And, you know, there's some... There's some great things about it. So, but Chris, everyone knows the Citizen Kane of anime is MD Geist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nothing can compare to that piece of um, artwork of, of something. <laughs> that piece something of, that's 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 round and brown. <laughs> that piece of art at the F and, and emits a sound, a smell, <laughs> and floating in a bowl. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, parting shots. I would say are. Um, Watch the show with an open mind. It's it's not perfect, but it's a very enjoyable experience. Great music. Um, don't go in there expecting uh, Macross Frontier or Macross Plus level dog fights, as we've yeah. lined out with the you know the copious amounts of stock animation. But even that's not that big of an annoyance because it's got good characters and a good story. Um, again, just uh, don't go into it expecting uh, original series, and you'll be a okay. And it's a very enjoyable experience. And um, it's it's a Macross series in uh, the truest sense of the word. Word. I guess that's it. I guess that wraps up uh, this one. So uh, we're not done with Macross 7 yet because um, the next installment of Macross Roundup will be looking at the various uh, sequels to Macross 7, the short movie Galaxy's Calling Me, uh, Macross 7 Encore OAV, and then the uh, end of the saga, the Macross Dynamite 7. OAV. So those will all be discussed in the next roundup. And uh, for now, you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Happy birthday. How to say? Well, you could say thank you. Thank you. Gundam. Jim, what the hell's the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? Bones, I don't want to be lectured. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN5 for 10% off your order or GUN6 for $5 off any order that's over $30. Or if you ever wanted to buy a domain name, you can get one for the low price of $7.49 if you use the code GUN7. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Open. God damn it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is going to be part two of what we would change in the Gundam franchise. And we're going to be now covering the 90s uh, movies, OVAs, and series of the Gundam franchise. Uh, We'll be starting off with F91. And then we'll be going to uh, 083, Stardust Memories, and including the afterbirth of uh, Zeon there, that horrible thing. Then we go to Victory Gundam, G Gundam, Gundam Wing, 
double or oh ms team gundam x sucks uh endless waltz and turn a and we finally finished it up with the first live and hopefully last live action movie of gundam uh g savior all right <laughs> But uh, I guess we'll go to the first one, which will be F91, which was a, a motion picture done by Yoshiyuki Tamino. Um, Solbro, thoughts? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you got to be ready, man. This It's the, uh, the 90s. There's a lot of Gundam to cover here. I'm sure we, yeah, we, ain't, got, we ain't got all day here, buddy. Well, yeah. I'm sure we all agree. This that, is the speed round. Well, thank you. I'm sure we all agree that it should have been expanded into a, a TV show easily. Um, it could have benefited a lot more if it had more time to stretch the story out. And um, I guess the second thing I'd, I'd wish for is I wish it would have its continuation as a crossbone Gundam. I'd like to see how that would have panned out as an animated series. Well, they have that in manga form. They do. They do. And I guess so I'll you have, have your read. continuation. <laughs> but, um, Chris, what were your um, thoughts on what to change? Definitely uh, it should have been a TV show as originally intended because mm-hmm. it's trying to tell way too much story in just two hours and it just doesn't work even though it looks very pretty uh barring that if it it at least been a trilogy of films that probably could have worked about as well but certainly one two-hour movie to tell this whole story doesn't cut it especially when you know at the end it says this is only just this is just the beginning it's like well no really it's uh, kind of the end too (laughs) uh pretty much the same way um you know i i I think it probably, if anything, would have worked better as a trilogy of movies. You never, you don't get any chance to really uh, even get any connection with Seabook. Um, he just kind of shows up, he's there, and then he's, you know, the movie ends. Um, the other thing too is I, I know we said the very kind of subpar soundtrack that it has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you know, most Gundam is known for having pretty good soundtrack and conveying a mood with that music, but um, uh, F ninety one pretty forgettable when it comes to that so except for when it rips off empire strikes back yeah there there you go <laughs> i just made a deal with the empire that'll give us music for a long time so i guess that's it on uh, uh, f91 biggest one being just be longer and um tell a better story or more uh you know flush it out a little bit the next is going to be one of chris's favorites double eighty three, which includes stardust memories the uh, ova and uh the movie which is the afterbirth of uh Zeon. That, afterglow. No, I said afterbirth though, because it's what it seems like. The afterbirth on film, but uh, soul. You bro. mean the abortion on film? The abortion on film. Soul, bro. Your thoughts. Start the us. The abortion memory. of Zeon. The abortion of animation. The abortion of stale- storytelling. Man, uh, I guess number one would be make Ko a more compelling lead um, instead of being the uh, the failure of a lead that he was. Uh, <laughs> and uh, number two, he's your boy. He is your boy. Oh, I'm sure he is. In somebody's, in somebody's crazy imagination. But um, <laughs> yours? <laughs> no. Um, Very Saji-like. Not, a, not at all. Um, the second thing. <laughs> the the second thing is, I, I wish it was a bit more planned out. It seemed like it. Um, there's that halfway point where they're just just doing things at the seat of their pants when it comes to <laughs> developing the story. It wasn't very. What's the word? I, I I don't want to say concise, but it just wasn't it wasn't structured well by the time the series reaches halfway point and that whole love triangle with um Gato, uh Ko and and that 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 terrible woman uh, <laughs> it <laughs> just didn't sell me, um, especially their little confrontation at the end. That just pissed me off more than anything. But um Chris, what were your thoughts? Uh, pretty much the same. Uh, Cole really is not a compelling character. Actually, most of the characters in Double Eighty Three, as we've discussed before, suck. 
Yeah. <laughs> Including, of course, that horrible wench Nina Purpleton, that lush Muncha, Gato the fascist robot. <laughs> the the all oh. of the pretty much all of the characters of Double Eighty Three are weak. Um, Lack in depth. Yeah. The the love triangle between Gato and Ko and Nina, you can tell was added on very last minute and makes no sense and really was unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, some of the story was kind of unclear, especially like, you know, uh, these upper echelon Federation officers conspiring with SEMA and, uh, you know, working things behind the scenes to uh, get the Titans going. They could have, given that this is supposed to be the bridge between um, original series and Zeta, it does a pretty good job of it, but they could have maybe spent a little bit more time focusing on, you know, what these, you know, conspirators were doing and, and you know, what it is they did to... Um, get the titans up and running so i think in those areas the show uh could have been better as far as the compilation movie uh would have been better off not existing or maybe actually making some sense instead (laughs) because it starts you uh in the middle Mm -hmm. and it just breezes through a lot of stuff they waste all of this time with um kelly lazener just to not have them fight yeah i think burning just disappears without even dying I think, yeah, I think he does, yeah. So, yeah, as far as compilation movies goes, uh, this is easily, like, the worst Gundam compilation movie I've ever seen because it's just poorly conceived and, and poorly edited, and it's just not worth it. Damn. I'd, I'd have to agree with the afterbirth of uh, animation there. Yeah, it should just the never been, It should have just never been made. Um, they should, it should have used Plan B on it. <laughs> plan B? Plan B, yeah. <laughs> Which is blow it up. Um <laughs> But um, in terms of this, the OVA itself, um, pretty much in the same type of agreement there. Uh, some things I would, li- I would like to see changes. Maybe uh, Nina get impaled by a beam during the attack for the stealing the Gundam so we don't have to deal with her for the rest of the show. Would you like to have seen her get swatted with a beam saber like some of the uh, uh, Bazooka girls from V Gundam? Yeah, because that would ensure that she'd never come back. So, <laughs> My Gundam! <laughs> oh, why are they fighting? She should have just stayed on Livy and Rose so you know you know what happened to that in Double Zeta. <laughs> but, yeah, we'd have to wait a while, though. Oh, a little bit. Happen. But, um, yeah, pretty Good much. Good things come to those who wait. That's right. <laughs> yes, so, right? Like fine wine. Um, same thing, though. You know, it's just, just, it just needed to be changed in a lot of ways. And like you said, that love triangle at the end, and you're just kind of like WTF. I mean, seriously, huh? But um, Tacked on like the magnetic coating. Mm. Uh, I can actually deal with the magnetic coating better than that. But um, that'll bring us to our next series, which would be the very uplifting, very hopeful Victory Gundam. <laughs> Solbro, your thoughts on um, of um, you know sunshine and mobile suits? Man, dude, I'll tell you what. I was actually talking about this with uh, one of our listeners, Jabman025, on um, Xbox Live last night. He's struggling to get through the last episodes of V. And one of the things I would change about that is the mood of the show and the tone. Um, because you watch that show and it is just death after death. That We just talked about Macross That's 7. That's the whole point of that show. Oh, yeah, it's the whole point. Thank you, Tomino. But um, if anything... He, he, not so many people had to die, but then again, I guess I'm it's I'm a war, sucker about things hell. like that. It is, but um, no. If you look at it, every episode is almost like a telegraph to who's going to die, and it almost becomes um a little formulaic in some episodes. But other than that, um, I would definitely not have old low die at the end. I was that was that pissed me off so hard hardcore, and I'm sure I know it pissed off Chris. So um, 
but those are the two major things. But Chris, what about you? Uh, one thing I would definitely do is uh, tighten up the pacing of like the first ten or twelve episodes. Oh mm-hmm. God, yes. Because first of all, it starts off all weird with the fourth episode as the first, so that they can show the victory Gundam. So totally undo that and, and you know let it play out the way it's supposed to. Right. But also have them get out of uh, freaking Casarelli a lot faster because. <laughs> They are just stuck there, like, for so long. Kind of like almost the first ten or so episodes of Double Zeta, where it's like, it's like, just get the hell out of Shangri-La, Christ. So Casarelia is like the, um, it's like the earthbound Shangri-La. Kind of. I mean, once they finally, like, once they actually get to, like, Gibraltar and then start heading into space, yeah, uh, that's when the show starts speeding up. So I, you could easily cut out a good four or five episodes from that whole trip from Casarelia to Gibraltar and... You know, things would work a lot better. And, you know, reorder things so that the episodes actually play out in their proper order. Uh, number two, uh, maybe dial down some of the Zanskari psychos a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. it seemed like almost everybody on that team was a psychopath. That is true. That is very true. You had this one guy, uh, forgot his name. He was like the Rambaral of that show. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> that guy. He was cool, he wasn't crazy. He was. But uh, it's like almost everybody else. Then there was, you know, like that one guy who um, they killed when they came back to Casarelli and then uh, started hanging out with his wife. Right. <laughs> and that guy was normal, but he's only there for like one episode. So maybe some less psychos. That, that probably would have worked better because there's, there's some really weird people in that show. And then, uh, yeah, number three, Odello, because, man, that guy, he just got wronged. Yeah, he did. He did get robbed. <laughs> Well, so Rob, I'd, I'd have to say um, I, I'm in agreement. The the pacing, especially at the beginning, it's like man, they have got to get out of Casarelia. It's like what is keeping you there? And it's, well, every, the fact that every ep- every other episode, Uso decides to go back to his stupid log cabin and then ends up going back anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, the whole thing, yeah, with you said with the Zanskari, um, especially get rid of Chronicle, or maybe make him more compelling. <laughs> Um, cause he just, for as, as kind of the masked man, he was very just underwhelming and really didn't do much yeah. for me. Oh, I uh, forgot one thing. Uh, maybe you would agree with this too. This might be one of yours. Um, have Shakti be less of a sucker. Yeah. 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 I want to go talk to them and make things. Now I can understand that she's just 11 years old, so she's stupid and young, but man, how many times yet they get suckered in and get captured and realize these people don't want to listen to what you have to say. And, and, and maybe a little bit more prominent role of the queen instead of just being, you know, I, I, know, I know they were kind of playing her, but you, you, I don't know. There was, even if she was getting played, there was just, there's a different way of just kind of having her there, um, you know. But, yeah, the, the stuff with the psychos and everything. The death, I mean, it's depressing and stuff, but I, I, I do understand why he did it. Uh, to show, you know, just like a very hopeless situation and just how bad it gets. And, you know, you have all these a- apathetic uh, re- resistance, resistance fighters and these guys from the Federation that just don't know what to do. They're just a bunch of fat cats pretty much and don't want to get bothered with anything. But um, that's pretty much that on Victory Gundam. So I guess the next one would be um, a, tr- a-, a troll favorite, uh, G Gundam. <laughs> Solbro, your thoughts of G Gundam, and keep uh, it under five minutes. <laughs> you keep it under five minutes. Um, G Gundam, <laughs> G Gundam. I um, I would probably change the uh, the opening streak of episodes and tighten up the story a bit more so that um, they're not more sta- they're not so standalone ish. 
Um, the second thing I'd change is I'd probably introduce Allenby a bit earlier so that you know, the whole love triangle thing would have been a, a bit more strong um, throughout the course of the show. Chris, what are some of the things you change? Um, not much. I mean, there's a couple of parts that are a little, like, formulaic and predictable that, that could have been um, slimmed down a bit. Like, you know, for example, uh, after the Tokyo arc, you know, none of these guys in the Shuffle Alliance wants to fight the Devil Gundam, and then Domon has to face them. And they have to face their fears in the Guiana Highlands one by one. They're like, okay, now we'll fight the Devil Gundam. And then later on when they get to, um, you know, Hong Kong and Wong says, you know, oh, Domon, you have to fight all of these dudes again. And he's like, hey, guys, let's get the Devil Gundam. And they're like, no, we're focused only on defeating you with our new hyper modes and specially developed sure kill moves that we're going to show off to you so you can counteract. <laughs> and you have to fight us four episodes in a row in the exact same way yeah. again. So that, like, just became kind of obvious and a little predictable. I had to tighten that up a bit. A little bit Dragon Ballish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And um, I thought it hadn't occurred to me, but uh, definitely uh, introducing Allenby earlier on would probably be a good thing because, you know, she doesn't show up until, like... Halfway through? More than halfway through. I think, like, episode 29 or 30 is when she shows up. So That's right. having her be uh, early on probably would have... Um, you made that development a little bit more interesting. Not yeah. that it was bad or anything, but you know, it would have been good to maybe he see her a little bit earlier on. True. Maybe she could have been like first showing up as uh, one of the opponents during the Survival Eleven, and then they meet up again in Hong Kong or some crap like that. But they could have introduced her earlier. Yeah. Maybe replace one of those like generic guys. Yeah, I'm pretty you know, much in agreement with what you guys ass. said. I, I hadn't even really thought about the whole thing with Alan B, but the, the only other thing I would have is maybe uh, a little bit more of kind of Schwartz kind of being that, that hidden guy kind of watching over Domo in a little bit more. And, um, you know, maybe even a few, maybe even taking a, a little bit of um, having him doing some fighting instead of uh, like Domo and having to fight the uh, Shuffle Alliance again. Uh, like he just did like four episodes previous. But, um, well, I guess that's it on G Gundam. The next one we would have would be Gundam Wing. Um, Solbro, your thoughts on Gundam Wing? Aside from the grunts always getting murdered in that show, it would have been nice if um, the opposite of what I asked for victory happened in that show where the stakes were a bit higher and some more notable characters died off throughout the course of it. It's almost like everybody survived at the end. And I know Chris had previously mentioned about Troa, where there's a point in the show where he should have died and it would have greatened the impact of his character. But they brought him back too. So in the end, it just seemed to ha- they just seemed to have a lot Catch of fun and games. Love brought him back from the dead. <laughs> His oh, cello Troa. solo. <laughs> but you're you're not the you're Troa though. Come on, it's me, Katra. Oh man, don't fight me, Troa. We need to be together. <laughs> the other <laughs> the other thing I'd change is I wouldn't have Zex be so much of a shark clone. You know, he, you know he's so um such a um a low rent shark as we have been known to call him. That um it's it's kind of laughable, but um I'd like to see him be more of his own man. But hey, man, Zex kicked ass. He he he's uh, I call him uh, workforce rent. Workforce yeah. char. <laughs> he's the stunt double. <laughs> he's the understudy. <laughs> there you go. There's <laughs> there's a lot more low rent chars out there. Oh God, yes. there are a chronicle. <laughs> exactly, not the low rent char. Woo. Zex, you know, that's a welfare like char. Said, workforce workforce rent char. <laughs> but Chris, what were your thoughts on Wing? 
Um, it's interesting, you know, that as we're recording, this is when I'm re-reviewing the show, but, you know, of course, I've seen it uh, quite a few times in between those original reviews nine years ago and now, and one thing that's always stuck me is, um, and kind of like Macross 7, the combat's pretty lacking because yeah. it's pretty much all just Gundams mowing down waves of cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, if I ever have to see that one Leo get killed... <laughs> and- at the the one that the, the one the ones that like at the base you'd always see those li- yeah oh. and they fly backwards as they're exploding yeah or any time Troa shoots anything oh god yeah yeah and he'll he'll shoot everything in one direction with the Gatling gun then turn the other way and open his chest yep um one thing that I've noticed that's very conspicuous in Wing is an almost total lack of aces yeah because yeah. you got Zex who is definitely an ace but he and Hero don't fight each other that often. Trey's, uh, I think, enters a mobile suit like all of two times throughout the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> once in a Leo, and then once at the very end at the Tall Geese. Yeah. The Tall Geese 2. And of course he dies. Uh, Noin doesn't get to do that much, even though she's a skilled pilot. So it would have been good if um, Oz had some, some actual ace pilots that um, you know, the Gundam boys could have fought against because you know, it's just waves and waves of grunts getting mowed down like nothing. What about Alex and Mueller? They were aces. Those guys were chumps. (laughs) (laughs) You killed Alex. You killed Mueller. (laughs) Those guys, man. I was so glad when Zex killed both of them because they were were such pansies. But um, aside from the combat, I would say the storyline could use a little bit more internal consistency. Depth, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> because after a while, it seems though it's sort of like evil organization of the week almost. Yeah. It's like, okay, at first the Alliance is bad, but there's really these guys named Oz inside the Alliance, and they're worse. So we're attacking both, but Oz is the worser of the two. And then Oz comes out, and they attack the Alliance, and we're still attacking Oz. And then, you know, Romafeller Foundation shows up, and Oz splits in half. And then you got, like, these good guys in Oz, and then you got Romafeller Foundation... And the Romofella Foundation's evil, and then they get their asses whooped because White Fang shows up, and now you had to fight White Fang. Yeah, it's like, man, how much? And this all happens in the span of less than a year. It's like, man, Jesus Christ! You know, uh, the way I see it with, uh, you know, especially with like war stories in anime is generally speaking, the people that you're fighting at the end of the show should still be the same people you were fighting at the beginning. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the way it is in Wing because. By the end, it's the freaking space colonists. Yeah. You know, perfect example, like, say, Zeta Gundam, even though about halfway through they introduced Axis and they were a new player into the mix, in the end, the fight was still about the Titans. Yep. And then Axis was dealt with separately. So, you know, they they could have um, done a better job with that. And, um, you know, having the background of the pilots be in the uh, in the show as they intended rather than uh, in episode zero of the manga. Darn. Give it some more depth. Well, what I would change is I do agree with the combat. I, I wish there was more ace-on-ace ace, uh, violence. Um, also, I think trays should have been utilized more as the heavy throughout the show. He, you know, he, he's in the beginning, then he kind of disappears. And he's, he's, you know, he shows up briefly at the end, and it's really not even much of a player e- even at the end. Yeah, he is kind of underused for such a good character. Yeah, I, I, I would do agree with the whole thing with the background of the characters. And, and also, too, I, I think it would have been okay to kind of develop some of their relationships with uh, you know, some of the female characters a little bit better, uh, especially the whole 
hero relina thing you know either make them a couple or don't and um maybe level down the homoeroticism between troa and katra a little bit because uh there was some uh there was some galactic heroes wanksting there for a little while i'll throw a plus one you on that um <laughs> not not homoeroticism but uh, i forgot this one um just kill Wufei. Yeah. yeah nobody likes this guy this guy is like he's he's, he's such a dick and he's a chauvinist and the weak shouldn't fight. Woman, you're weak. Why are you fighting? I don't fight women and weak people. You're all weak, weak, weak. But I don't y- have the right to use Nataku. Oh, guide me, Nataku. Oh, weak, I- Nataku. Uh. It's, it's, funny, it's funny how he called everyone weak, but he ended up being like the weakest of the Gundam boys. Oh, yeah. When it came to, you know, fighting. We we always, I didn't expect to win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what kind of reasoning Jeez. is that? Freaking, um, and uh, uh, another one to add to the death list is um, Dorothy. Although long-time listener, Ad- Admin Sugar wouldn't appreciate me saying that, but Dorothy, write her out the show, please. <laughs> eh, I don't think Dorothy was that bad, but <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I it's had just, some beef. Just some of that, uh, I don't know, that, that or Dacum could definitely take, or, or Dermeo. No, I'm not Dacum, but Dermeo. That guy and Cans. That guy sucked too. Oh, Cans! That, that, that guy. guy sucked. And that was and such a loser. That and the the super enormous weapon. Marty McFly called and said he wanted his life preserver back. Hell yeah! That and get rid of Libra. I think that was just stupid. The 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 big battleship that didn't really do anything but just blow up and and pollute everything. But um, enough on Gundam Wing. Uh, that would bring us to. And we're about halfway through the 90s here. Um, 08th MS team. What yeah. would you change there? Well, um, Sobra. not that I'm God or anything, but I definitely um, one thing I could change if I had the Dragon Balls is to wish back the director, the initial one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry that he, I'm sorry that he unfortunately died before the, uh, the completion it of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, if anything, who knows where the story would have went if he was still around. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, also uh, change Guineas as the last boss. I'd have rather seen it come down to um, Shiro and Ina at the end, and them having two different um, kinds of, uh, you know, uh, opinions and 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 you know, duking it out to the end, and maybe they surviving. I don't know, but it would have been um, it have been a bit more epic if those two were ended up, you know, fierce enemies at the end. Are you you, you don't like uh, low rent Kaiser Reinhard there? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Chris, uh, oh MS team. Um, and I know that I'll uh, upset uh, on Mecha Talk. We have a uh, very big Guineas fangirl. I'm sorry to have to say this, but uh, he's such a one-dimensional, uh, weak, useless villain. I mean, he's voyced by the man. I mean, he's, he's voiced by by Shohayami, Shohayami. aka uh, Maximilian Genius, Genius. But it's a waste of such a voice actor. He <laughs> <It> sure is. <laughs> <laughs> on on that character, I mean, you could have used Genius in another way, or just not had him at all as a final boss because he just doesn't cut it. You know, if 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 it had there had to be a final boss, you know, if if it was like say Norris or something, that'd have been something, or or maybe even Ina because my other thing is um, I never really bought the romance between Shiro and Ina. Mm-hmm. This may be in due in part to the uh, change of directors halfway through. You know, at first, Shiro's like, at the beginning of the series, like, yeah, I'm going to get all those Zeon on Earth. Kill and he meets Aina, and he kind of has a little thing for her, which is okay, because she's hot, and, you know, whatever. But then it's like, they meet again, and then suddenly they're madly in love, and he's like, the Zeon and the Federation have to get along. Hey, yeah. let's be tree huggers. All right. 
thankfully not as bad as uh, this freaking chump in um, the uh, Lost War Chronicles manga who, who gets his own men killed out of his desire to not kill Zeon. Freaking ridiculous. Yeah, that guy's a chump. But, um, you know, still, the, the, the change in Shiro, it's like, yeah, it's a little, little fast. And, um, you know, the first half of the show focused more on the group tactics of the entire squad fighting. And then by the second half of the show, it switched more to focusing on Shiro. So I think it would have been good if they maintained that uh, group dynamic. Also, um, you know, if I could play God and not have to uh, worry about reality so much, uh, would have had everyone else not use Gundams. Yeah. Oh, wow. To stick them GMs and have only Shiro as the squad commander in a Gundam, because, you know, why are there all these Gundams running around given to, like, not-so-important people? Well, the one, one Gundam became GM head, so... Yeah, but I would have just stuck yeah. all of them with, uh, just stuck Sanders and Karen with uh, GMs and have just Shiro with the, uh, with the Gundam. Yeah, I agree. It'd that, stand that out more. Good. Yeah, it would stand out more because you had entire squads of Gundams running around and it's like, well, they're all Gundams, so they're not as special. Yeah. And it kind of retconned something from Mobile Suit Gundam where you thought that the RX-78 was the only one running around and, you know, 8th MS Team rolls around and there's so many. Well, that, that was, that was retconned <laughs> long before 8th MS Team. There's a little thing called 0080 that you're forgetting. Uh, about. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit ridiculous. That's but, the uh, least of it. I've accepted the fact that there are more than there was more than the one Gundam, but mm-hmm. there's certain limits to that, so <laughs> I just think it would have been more plausible to give just the commander the more special souped-up suit yeah. and a little bit more grunty for the grunts. Oh, yeah. One more thing that should be changed is that last episode. Yeah, last episode. Throw that out entirely because oh. starting a new storyline for the last episode really um, really just was a bad idea and I did not need to see uh, Mikkel and Kiki's journey to find Colonel Kurtz. <laughs> <laughs> Through the river and encountering like weirdo new type Xeon kids because you know it was a really lost opportunity to show um sort of the immediate fallout of the one-year war, because no show has ever really done that. Exactly. And, you know, by doing this, they totally uh, skipped out on showing us what happened to everyone else. It would have been nice to see, you know, what happened to Sanders or uh, Karen or Elador or any of these people, but you don't see them at all. And even when Shiro and Aina show up, it's only for, like, a few seconds at the very end, and neither of them ever says a word, so... Yeah, if they were going to do an epilogue episode, they they should have um, done an actual epilogue rather than some new story wrapped up in an epilogue. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you guys said. The other the other thing is is um, it just it just felt you know like like you said earlier, Chris, the whole team dynamic, not just even in strategy and stuff, but the fact that the team was the team and they were talking to each other and they were you know they were becoming friends and stuff. It just gets lost halfway through the show. And it's just, I don't know, it's like you, you, you almost feel like why are these people even still staying together? And um, I, I don't know, it's just, it was just a little bit different. But um, I guess that will be done with 08th MS Team, which brings us to um, the worst of the Gundam shows, Gundam X. <laughs> so, uh, Solbro, your thoughts on Gundam X? According to the internet. Yeah, but um, The internet is always correct. Yeah, always correct. But um... Always truthful. <laughs> Gundam X, man, uh, the major thing is that I wish the show got to run its full course. No instead way. of getting really? cut in its prime. Um, Why you go out on a limb? Uh, hey, I know. I know. I, I, that's, how, that's how I always roll. Always cool. going for the low-hanging fruit, huh? Yeah. Every day. <laughs> 
We could tell that we could tell the Sobro would not be a giraffe in the in Africa. No, I wouldn't, man. Yeah. Be a turtle. But um, the next thing I would I would love to have seen is more of a story arc having to do with the 15 years before. Um, you know, little story arc having to do with Jamil as a young pilot, even an OV, OAV having to do with that. I'd it's love called to the that. one year war. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just to see his story before you know it, it comes to his inevitable end and he goes through his whole change. But um, that's pretty much the main two things. Chris, what were your thoughts? I, I would also agree. You know, give it those those ten episodes because uh, it deserved it, and um, you know that space arc needed uh, that extra time. Yeah, I think it would have been a better a better show with uh, that space arc. Um, do that. Uh, really, nothing else about the show really stuck out at me as something that needed much improvement. Probably the one thing that I that I would ditch because it came a little bit formulaic was um, uh, the Frost Brothers uh, playing poker with these uh, wackos to decide which one over the course of three or four episodes would go after Double X next yeah. <laughs> and show up and, and in some wacky strange mobile suit and then get killed mm-hmm. you know not that some good stuff didn't come out of that because uh it did but uh the last wacko the, the guy who actually could control big mobile suits he was cool but some of those other guys were just a little like a little too weird yeah they were exactly and if it had actually it probably wouldn't have bothered me if it had been broken up rather than like four consecutive episodes of these weirdos showing up yeah, I think that would have made it flow a little bit better. Yeah, if it had been less guys or if it had been broken up into non-consecutive episodes, that I think would have been better. Because then it kind of took on there that little tone of, like, Monster of the Week kind of thing. And the show didn't really do that before, so I'd have changed that up as far as stuff that actually did get produced. And then, of course, give it that extra ten episodes. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I, I think that would be a good call to... You know, to complete the show because you can desperately see. And even though they did a great job of wrapping up the show at the end, uh, the space arc is definitely lacking. Um, Also, too, maybe just a little bit more of some of what is going on in the space revolutionaries. Um, You know, we were getting a lot of what was going on with the the new Federation. But maybe just a little bit more and and maybe see, even if we can, maybe um, a way that, or the reason why the space revolutionaries really haven't been messing with Earth since the end of the war, um, you, you, you know, other than it just being you know totally barren uh, after the uh, colony drops. But um, but yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement there. I don't I don't have too too much to to really nitpick on uh, Gundam X. Uh, so that's going to bring us next to uh, the OVA and the movie of Gundam Wing Endless Waltz Solbro. Um. Well, for Endless Waltz, uh, I would have asked for a better last boss <laughs> with, um, what's her name, uh, Mirielia, I, for- I forget her name, but the so-called daughter of Trey's. You know, if you're going to have a daughter of Trey's, you might as well Mari make her. Mari Maya. thank you. Gosh, we're already I liked her better when she was called Maneva Dabi. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd at least li- like to have seen that she was his daughter for certain, but uh, whatever. Um, the other thing I'd like to change is that last line that they utter about the fact that mobile suits were never used in that universe again. Cause you know, that's full on BS. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but the, those are the two major things. What, what were yours, Chris? Definitely that hole and mobile suits were never seen again was a bunch of bunk. Yes, sir. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it that, uh, you know, the world just, just, you know, magically everyone chose pacifism in the end. And, Mobile suits are gone completely, and no one's ever going to make any ever again. Not just yeah. pacifism, total pacifism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy that uh, at all. 
I think that's about all I'd change. Uh, was there anything else? Wufei not being in it? Yeah, kill that little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go off and join the Hitler Youth. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, Dekim Barton wasn't really that interesting. He's just another... Yeah. Just another crazy old rich guy. Yep, low rent, low rent cans. Um, my my changes, uh, the, just the stuff that and really ditch Mari Maya because she's she's yeah. a low rent Minevazabi. There you go. My changes, I would just the, the whole irritating thing at the beginning where the only thing that they're gonna th throw into the sun weapon wise seem like the Gundams, and then the stupidity at the end that <laughs> they were gonna put these things in the sun because they didn't want anybody to get them at the beginning. But yet, we get done with another uprising, and we're just going to blow them up by some river. Uh, and know. mind you, we know from this universe that blown up Gundams can be completely rebuilt. Yeah, exactly. no problem. From scrap. <laughs> so, but I know, that, that, that to me is just logic. It's a big plot hole of, yeah, you want to send them into the sun so that they melt and can never be used again or rebuilt. Yeah. And then at the end, you just settle for... Um, blowing them up by the river. Blown up by the river. Where somebody could collect them and, and, and oh, make yeah. some kit bash of some thing. The next yeah. organization. Just as we've already done in the TV show. The next organization of the week is already collecting the pieces. Yeah. As we can, that's, what makes, <laughs> that's what makes that last line a whole load of BS. But uh, I guess that concludes that on Endless Waltz. Oh, man. Uh, Turn A Gundam. Turn A Gundam. Turn A Gundam. So, bro. This is a tough one, man. Um, I guess um, get him in space a bit faster. Uh and maybe uh, expand on the whole black history thing because that was really intriguing for all five minutes. The black history in the eyes of Laurent. Yeah, that, <laughs> hey, there's already black history problems, so what more do you need? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. But yeah, I would I would have liked to see that played off a bit more. But you know, for the most part, it was a satisfying experience watching that show. And um, I'll pass it to you, Chris. One thing that could have been cut down a bit on because it didn't do that much for me was uh, the red team. Those. Guys. They're just really weird. Yeah. Like, and I could have done with a little bit less of them because they were just a little too out there. Um, maybe some more time spent on the black history. The pacing didn't really bother me. You know, by the time that they got to space, I think it worked out fine. So yeah. that wasn't an issue. So, I mean, yeah, definitely less red team and uh, maybe a little bit more explanation about uh, what the black history really means. Mm hmm yeah. So that everyone can shut the hell up about it because they just like to speculate everything. It's like, oh, but, you know, uh, maybe the double O riser was used and then the turn A came up and then it reset everything. And then the RX-78 came and then the turn A reset that again, too. And now it's wing zero. It's like, no, shut up. Stop it. Stop let's it, just, please. Well, let's just settle it. The black history was Super Robot Wars. There you go. There you go, done. Yeah, <laughs> Tamino unintentionally created a monster with this freaking black history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. In terms did. of like dumb fan ideas about what happened. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I I'd agree. Um, black history, because it, it, when it does come, it's like because you know the whole mood of the show. It's like wow, they you know they progressed to like earliest twentieth century technology on Earth. It's like what really did ha I mean, what was really kind of the final outcome of the. Um, you know, the plan and what the turn A did, you know, and, and that would have been kind of nice to, to see. And, 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 and also maybe a little bit about what the moon, even what would the moon was doing during the time that they were, you know, waiting to see um, if the earth was regenerating and, and kind of why did they pick that time to, um, you know, to, to come back. Even I know they were overcrowded, but they've been overcrowded for hundreds of years from what it seemed like. So I, I don't know. It's, 
but yeah, that and and the red team would have been a little little um, a little better and and um, a little less uh, socio angsting. That I'd, I'd have to oh. I'd have to <laughs> you know get rid of that too. But uh, so I guess that ends us on turn A. Now for the what what a way to cap a decade. The coup de gras. Uh, the coup de gras. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the first and hopefully last live action. Uh, adaptations of um, of a Gundam story, uh, somewhat still considered part of the Universal Century canon, and that's the amazing twenty uh, two thousand live action movie of G Savior and uh, Soulbro. As a as a great fan of G Savior, I, I guess you wouldn't have much to cho- uh, much to change, would you? I don't know if this is going to break Peter's heart, but um, I just got to say um, the thing I changed about this is that it was never made. Oh. <laughs> Now, now we said that we would accept that answer before the um, for the start of the segment. Um, maybe just in one or two statements, why shouldn't it have been made? Oh man, this this movie's so half cocked. <laughs> I mean, God, it just it goes nowhere, and I, I, I'm not gonna. I, I just I blame the whole production, and you know what? We've already talked about it in, in length, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 that's that's one way of putting it. Yeah. Chris, man, you 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 could you could continue from here. I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you wax about this. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. What what I changed about G Savior? Also, uh, never, never let it exist to begin with. <laughs> it was just poorly conceived. You can tell that Sunrise just kind of wrote this off and forgot about it because also they delayed it almost a year. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to come out in 1999 as part of the uh, Big Bang 20th anniversary, and then ended up coming out in like late 2000. What a bang! Yeah. <laughs> More like a whimper, little little Gundam, little whimper twentieth anniversary. Yeah, more like a more like a bomb. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, S bomb. <laughs> yeah, you could tell that Sunrise wasn't very hands on with this. Uh, it's written by people who don't know anything about Gundam, and they just created a story filled with cheap American sci-fi cliches, low budget, bad acting. How about that CG? Oh boy! It's glad to see that. I, I think I think I could watch they, a, a, bot po- a pot boil faster than those mobile suits can move. It's good to see though that they um, the the people that made Shadow Chronicles borrowed some of that great CG. Nice, nice. Put, putting putting you guys in a rock and a hard place. What would you want to watch? Um, Revenge of the Fallen or G Savior? Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, that's there's damn. no there's, no. It's it's more like season two of Double O or G Savior. <laughs> well, if it's for that, if it's for our uh, that that guy from Yasumikon, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, here's the toughest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shadow Chronicles, Robotech Shadow Chronicles or G Savior. <laughs> oh man, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, that's a toughie. Take that one, Shadow Chronicles. <laughs> Ooh. Man, by a long shot. Yeah. Damn, son, that is serious. <laughs> yeah, G Savior is just too lacking in in every in every aspect to you know one or two changes to fix. So kill it, kill it with fire, abort <laughs> it, delete it, use a coat hanger. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if I can really sum it up the same way. I mean, yeah, G Savior just should have never been made. Um, if Sunrise was smart, they should have just paid the bills for production and then paid a little extra so no copies made it out to the to the public because uh 
bury it deep in the earth's core. Well, they've, they've, they've kind of buried it anyway because it's out of print and they, they've like totally scrubbed it from Gundam Official. They scrubbed it from the Japanese Gundam sites. So they, they, they kind of like to pretend it doesn't exist. Man, yeah. it's, it's forever sitting in the Sunrise Vault, i.e. the trash can. <laughs> but like a bad rash, it'll always come back probably oh. in one way or another. It's, it's like herpes. It'll always stick with you for the rest yeah. of your life, Say whether it, you or not. Say it ain't so, man. I don't want to see it at the sci-fi movie of the week. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts. I think on... I'd take one of those sci-fi movies of the week of, like, uh, Piranhas 27 or, <laughs> or Alligator or the, the, the Rabid Raccoon or whatever the hell it is that they're fighting. Hell yeah. Um, but I guess that'll be it for uh, G-Savior. Any, any other closing comments about anything before we uh, sum up this segment, guys? The 90s were really long. <laughs> they were. <laughs> Take and us home, man. Probably one of the most prolific time periods of Gundam that we've had so far. So that concludes our look at the 90s Gundam animes, um, all the movies, OVAs, and um, a series that we have. Uh, next episode, we'll be concluding what we would change in Gundam for uh, the third segment, and that would include all the 2000, all the animes, movies, and um, short films and OVAs that were made in the uh, 2000s. And half that uh, segment will be Destiny. Stay tuned. <laughs> Maybe we should call back Austin. Yeah. But uh, on that note, um, that concludes this segment, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. AAAPodcast.com Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. My teammates, it was an honor to be on the court with you. You guys are the best. Even you, Vakaitis. Damn dumb son of a bitch. You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you?
All right, welcome back, everybody. This so concludes episode forty-three of Gundam at MAHQ. Hopefully, this is a better was a better episode than uh, Shadow Chronicles or even Double O Season Two. So, um, we, we hope that. And I had, I had read in the post that somebody uh, was missing my prediction or actually my explanation or um, you know uh, that Lelouch is dead. He is still dead, and he is dead as hell. And uh, hopefully, he does not rise again in some. Uh, poorly done sequel to Kogias. I'm sure he's risen again in fanfic because you can't oh. stand fan can't stop fanfic. It's like um, it's like a scourge. The internet's rich with them. Yes, <laughs> yes. But um, in this episode we uh, we continued on the fifth installment of Macross a Roundup and we're getting pretty much at the end. Uh, only two more after this episode. Um, we did um, Macross 7 the series, just the series. We'll be covering um, all the OVAs and short stories and movies, whatever they might call Dynamite 7, Galaxy's Calling Me, Encore 7, all of those will be in the next episode. And then we'll be finishing up on episode 45 with uh, Matt Cross Zero. So um, be looking forward to that. And we also took care of the second uh, second part of our three-part segment of what we would change in Gundam. And we've been doing this in uh, chronological uh, production order. Uh, last episode, we took care of the 70s and 80s, and this one, we took probably the most prolific decade of Gundam to date, uh, which is the 1990s, and we took care of everything from uh, F91 all the way to the uh, abortion of live action. Please never happen, let it happen again. I wish my memories would be stricken from G Savior. So uh, we got we got some great insight there. Um, once again, Chris is not going to be able to finish up with us, but um, he just wants to say that he hates you all, and um, and uh, everything sucks because uh, that's 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 old Chris. No, just kidding. But um, before we go, uh, Solbro is gonna he has a list of kudos that he needs to give out to people. Well, before that, um, check out MH. Oh, yes, check it, out that stuff. No problem. MAHQ.net. Of course, that's the site where the magic happens. Uh, Mechatalk.net is the official forums for MAHQ.net, and you'll also find the um, official forums for Gundam.net there, too. So sign up and um, and reply away. Get and cheeky. <laughs> Get cheeky. <laughs> also, um, Gundam.net is where you can find liner notes for all the episodes that are posted, and um, go there and check out all our other links to different um, aspects of uh, Gundam at Facebook, MySpace, Spill.com, and you can also find us on iTunes and Zoom. You can reach us by email by going to GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. And also you can find our tweets at twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And as Neo said, i got some props to give out. Um, I'd like to give props to the Foul Sorceress and um, Jabman025 for hanging with me last night on Xbox Live. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> for the emails they've been sending. And um, also uh, Jabman turned me on to a little mention of King Arthur. Um, at uh, the channel of uh, www.gundam sorry www.gundam.tk the um, the awesome YouTube channel where Robert shows his uh, building of all the uh, all the mobile suits that he um, has models of he unboxed a uh, double O uh, a perfect grade and during it he makes reference to King Arthur uh, in there and I found that kind of funny so props to him too uh, also um, in tvtropes.org those people who have been um, putting up updates up there They've been adding tropes for King Arthur and Lelouch dies up there. And he re- could die. <laughs> and they reference our show in the process. So much love to you guys out there. 
Um, also, a very special thanks to poster at uh, mechatalk.net, Seraphic, who's an avid listener of the show. He created us a nice, um, a really awesome two-year anniversary picture with a lot of the in-jokes that we talk about on the show all the time. And if you haven't seen it, find the liner notes for episode 41 or the post for episode 41 on mechatalk.net. And the links to the picture and his links to his other works are in there. And last but not least, um, if he has time, I'd like to see it in color. I know he probably is busy Ooh. and stuff, but if he has a chance to just fill in what he did as like a separate thing, that'd be cool to see it in color too. The Neo Color Challenge has yes. been issued out. Man, last but not least, I want to give props to um, another one of our avid listeners. And um, uh, his name is uh, Alex Benson, otherwise known as uh, Snoop619 on the Megatalk um, net boards. Uh, he just started up his own podcast called Unpopular Culture. And he why are you putting the competition in here, man? Hey, man, he gave us he gave us a major mention on his show. He even you now are you are now our sworn enemy (laughs) since you have your own show. They're more like flip the script than us. I will um, walk over (laughs) and 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 do it, and I will slap you in the face with my with my um my glove and say so be it. Let's begin this duel. You'll be the first one drafted to be on the episode. All these just to hear these cats, all these English cats talk about all sorts of stuff like video games and whatnot. It's really cool. He's joined by Scott Jordan. Why? Because they talk funny. Is that why? They talk all refined in English and 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 mention quid and I love it. And um, Alex is joined by Scott Jordan and Jack in that show. It's a podcast mainly about the stuff Otaku like to talk about. You can find them at their website Unpopular Culture and that's Culture spelt with a K. Um, dot on the edge. Yep, UK. Dot blogspot. Dot com. You can find their tweets at twitter.com slash UKcast. And also, you can find them on Facebook and iTunes. And uh, much props to them for starting up their own show. They gave us a nice plug in their show for Gundam and uh, Flip the Script and just Shinjuku Station overall. So much love to them. And other than that, um, I'm done. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> Man. I was only going to be a few kudos. Hey, man. Felt like it was like four years. Just, well, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a hard time staying awake. Um, but um, once again, uh, yeah, we do appreciate everybody uh, with all the responses and stuff. And, you know, continue sending articles and stuff and responses. And, um, you know, continued support of your show. And continue to support the sponsors, i.e. Petco and GoDaddy. Especially all those folks with dogs and cats out there. So they have some pretty good deals. And Christmas is coming up. Hook, yeah. your, hook your pets up. Yeah. Nothing like an extra bag of dry food for your dog for there Christmas. He will internally enjoy it. Two toys. Yes. <laughs> but um, so concludes episode 43 of uh, uh, Gundam and MHQ. Uh, we'll be back in about two weeks with episode 44. And um, so we'll s- bid you guys adieu in the, in the meantime. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Wait, don't go. This could be my only chance to get your name and phone number. My name is Miria, and I don't presently have a phone number. Then would you meet me at the park tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock? Oh, whatever you want. Just let me go. Thank you. Well, friend, that's some beautiful lady you made a date with. I hope she plans to show up. Isn't she something? Gundam at MHQ's Shinjuku Station in MHQ production.
bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we come for you? And that's the best. And that's next, Miss Nose. Hey, dude, you gotta learn the words. We usually only do the chorus.